Eight Sparks Stories presents Tick by Sean J. Nigro. Read by Todd Waits. Sometimes I swear I can still hear those tiny, incessant ticks vibrating from my brother's old stopwatch. In dreams, the sound appears to be all around me, echoing off the cobblestone walls at the bottom of a dark well where my brother once fell to his death. Finding nothing but moss and the ancient stones themselves, crawling with spider-like veins of murky groundwater, I determined the ticking to be actually nothing more than the dripping of water. The only light in the well, from a full moon above, comes in at an angle, barely touching the stones just over my head. So, when the light is suddenly broken by a towering humanoid shadow, that's when I begin to scream. And when I turn my gaze up to the source of the shadow, I see the black silhouette of a creature with wild hair and a pair of scowling green eyes peering over the edge of the well. The creature begins to match my scream, seeming to summon a quickening heartbeat out of my chest and drowning out the ticking or dripping. The creature is screaming my name. Chris. And then I'm awake, at home, in a bed, drenched with sweat, safe but unsettled. My therapist says the creature is a coping mechanism, pure fiction. Everyone believes I pushed my brother down that well. So it seems, according to my therapist, that I have fabricated a creature in place of myself to cope with, or deny, the reality that I was the one who forced Cal to lose his balance while he was prancing so carelessly around the old pit. Chris! Chris! You're not watching me, Chris! Cal shouts. I saw you, Cal. Be careful, all right? Don't want Dad to have to fish you out of a well on your birthday, I respond. I hadn't really seen what he was doing, just that he was clambering up the weathered stones, likely to present some speech that he half-remembered from learning about Abraham Lincoln these past few weeks. Most kids our age were playing Fortnite on tablets or working on Instagram stories. My brother and I didn't even have phones. With no internet and two bars of reception, on a good day, there wouldn't really be a point. That was just the way it was in a desolate New England town. So we did the next best thing, went outside. And where we were living then, there was quite a bit of outside to get lost in. Back for dinner, Mom shouts, and watch out for the ivy, will ya? Mom reminds us. My therapist says my mother was neglectful, possibly an alcoholic. I did remember her having a glass of wine on occasion with dinners at the house, but it was only ever that, and she never seemed drunk. My therapist calls this denial. Did you have to bring that stupid watch? I asked Cal as we trudged through the forest behind our house. Seeing that he's pulled the silver contraption from his coat pocket to fiddle with between his fingers. Sure, why not? Cal teases. But he knows. You know I can't stand the ticking. Can't you just leave it under a rock or something until we come back? 
I plead. It sounds ridiculous, but it is something I truly wish he would have done. Cal knew, as well as the rest of our family, that I had what my therapist now refers to as an obsessive-compulsive disorder. Back then, they were just quirks or tics, and they would always be irrational. One day, I would need to touch the doorknob exactly five times before leaving a room. The next, my mother would catch me flaring my nostrils and chewing on the inside of my cheeks whenever she was talking to me. A lot of these tics were harmless, nervous habits, manifestations of an anxiety likely induced by our mother's decision to live separate from our father. We still saw him once a week, but that became once a month when Mom decided it was time for a fresh start. A fresh start, it turned out, was somewhere much further up north. You're just making this one up because Dad gave me something cool for my birthday. Cal teases, skipping across a small stream atop the largest rocks he can find. My therapist agrees that Cal's death was not my fault, but it's not because she believes me. She has an optimistic view of people and prefers to see bad things as nothing more than accidents brought on by a troubled soul. She might be on to something. I'm serious, Cal. Get rid of that thing. It's so loud. Ah, don't be a baby, Chris. I thought I was supposed to be the little brother. I lose sight of him for a moment as he disappears over the carcass of a fallen tree. I say carcass because it is rotted to such a degree that it does seem to resemble a large monster. As if to drive the illusion home, a small stream runs beneath it, reflecting this monstrous image so there appear to be two carcasses. Slow down, Cal, I shout, a little worried as we've never been out this far and the forest appears to be getting more dense. But, ironically, that obnoxious ticking serves as a beacon for my little brother. I climb over the monster, wondering if Cal had seen the same hideous illusion, but guessing he hadn't from the way he marched on. For a second, I freeze in fear, unable to see him. I listened for the tick. Cal! My voice echoes back to me, and I hear the tick again, faint now through the rustling of the trees and the trickle of the stream beneath me. I cock my head sideways, trying to hone in on the sound, and when I think I have figured out where the sound is coming from, I realize that I'm only hearing its echo. I look around fast, green and brown blurring across my vision and find myself overwhelmed by a sudden preponderance of ticking echoing from every corner of the forest. I cover my ears and shut my eyes tight, trying to block out the sound. Chris! My brother's voice pierces through the ticking and surprises me into nearly falling off the tree. He pops his head out from below, where he has been hiding in the stream. Jesus jumped up, Christ, I shout. This is a phrase we have learned recently from one of our dad's Bob Marley comedy records. Cal is laughing now. Cal, get out of the water. Relax, Chris. I'm wearing boots. And I bet they're filled with water and mud now. Cal bites his lips and shrugs. Let's go, he shouts with excitement. I thought I saw smoke up ahead.
I climb down from the tree and catch up with him following the stream. Up ahead, through a small clearing, I think I see smoke too, and I begin to get anxious again. Do you think someone lives out here, Chris? I wouldn't think so. There's no roads anywhere or power lines. Maybe they're like Lincoln, living in a cabin. There's no cherry trees either. That's Washington, dingus. Whatever. As we approach the clearing, the outline of a building becomes visible. It isn't a log cabin, but it is definitely someone's home. Or at least it had been once upon a time. Wow! Cal runs through the clearing up to the house. Cal, be careful. Squatters might be living out here. Squat this! Cal makes an obscene gesture that surprises me. Where the heck did you learn that? I ask, only half curious. I, too, find myself intrigued by the crumbling edifice. The house, which looks like it had been standing for hundreds, maybe thousands of years, is somehow still standing, despite some considerable rot. We had learned about rot when our mom was looking for her new house. There were, apparently, a lot of old houses in this area and... Mom had said that was the reason they were selling them so cheap. Just don't go inside, I start to say, but Cal is already attempting to force his way through the front door. It's locked anyway, or something's blocking the door. Good. Hey, Chris, what happened to the smoke? Presumably the smoke we saw had been coming from a chimney jutting out of what remained of the roof, but as Cal noted, there was nothing coming out of it now. I gulp, feeling the hair on my arms rise a little. That's kind of weird. For the first time on our adventure, Cal does not have an obnoxious response. We both stand there, staring at the smokeless chimney stack. Up, up, up-it-illusion, Cal attempts to say. Optical illusion, you nimrod, I say, giving him a light punch on the shoulder. Ow! Cal brings his gaze away from the chimney and toward a small well near the far end of the house. Hey, check it out! He runs to it, trailing that incessant ticking sound behind him. Oh, cool. I think I might throw that stupid watch down it if you don't mind, I say sarcastically, following his direction. As we walk across the yard, something moves out of the corner of my eye. I stop and turn to one of the windows in the house, covered in cobwebs and cracks that have somehow not managed to fully shatter the glass. I wait to see if anything moves, but start to turn away again when nothing happens. But as I turn back to the well, there's a rustling again, and this time I am sure that it is coming from inside the house. I move toward the window, cautiously, trying like hell to put all the images of monsters I've ever seen out of my mind. I start to stand on my toes to peer over the window ledge when a black cat comes darting out from underneath the house, screeching and nearly knocking me onto the ground. Jesus, jumped! You really need to stop saying that? Cal shouts from the well. It's getting old! You're getting old, I mumble under my breath. 
I look out to the edge of the clearing to the wall of trees where the cat has disappeared. Chris, watch me, Cal shouts from the well. Chris, Chris, you're not watching me, Chris. I saw you, Cal. Be careful, all right? Don't want Dad to have to fish you out of a well on your birthday. Good, my therapist says. That's a lot of progress, Chris. But you know, we've been here before. I take a deep breath, with my eyes fixated on the circle patterns lining the carpet beneath my feet. Look at all those wells, I think, and I must be smiling now. What's funny, Chris? I look up to see my therapist looking at me seriously. It's... I glance at the rug and back up to her. It's nothing. So, you're at the well again, with Cal. Do you think you can bring us further into that memory now? My gaze has fallen back to the circles in the carpet, but my mind begins to wander until I find myself back in the forest. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth... Cal begins the backdrop of ticking, which, by now, I've come to assume only I can actually hear. Come on, Cal, get down from there. I wonder how deep the well must be. I wonder when it was last used and who it was that used it. On this continent, a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to... The sky above us begins to grow darker, and trees rustle with a passing breeze that raises goosebumps along my forearms, and the ticking seems to be echoing again. I taste blood and realize that I've been chewing the inside of my cheek again. Cal, get down from there, I try to say, but I know it's too low to hear. I think I see the cat run past me again, but I can't be certain. Cal has pulled a stopwatch from his pocket and is swinging it back and forth like a pendulum as he skips around the wall of the well. I'm grinding my teeth now and blinking hard. The blinking is something I thought I had outgrown. And you're blinking hard now, my therapist says. I ignore her. As my eyes trace Cal circling the well, they stop on two tiny green orbs. My eyes adjust, and I can see that it is the cat, peering over the ledge from behind the well. I think that it is drawn to the watch, but I quickly realize it is staring straight at me. I realize, too, that I have been moving closer to the well, closer to Cal. Cut that out, Cal, I say. Tick, tick, tick. I'm sure Dad will get you a watch, too. You don't have to be so jealous. I'm not jealous, Cal. Please get down from there. He stops, but continues to swing the watch. The cat has disappeared again. Hey! Cal looks toward the chimney seriously. I continue to move forward. Tick, tick, tick. There's the smoke again! I stop and turn to see smoke billowing out of the chimney. There's the scent of meat being cooked, and a light appears to be emanating from the house. Tick, tick. I see two tiny green orbs in the window now, peering out from the inside. But it is not the cat. It is a face. A face that is smiling. Tick, 
Chris! I turn to find Cal falling backward. Cal! I reach out, but all I can manage to do is grab the watch. The chain breaks with his grasp as he falls into the ground. There is one last tick as a loud thud echoes up from the depths of the well, and the watch stops in my hand. I'm frozen in fear. On the other side of the well, the green eyes appear again as the cat jumps onto the ledge and simply sits, staring at me. We're out of time, my therapist sighs. We were so close that time. I pull my gaze away from the circles on the carpet. That's what happened, I say. I'll see you next week, Chris. She smiles without humor. Same time? Sure, I lie. I will not be returning. Later that afternoon, after I've filled up on gas, I make my way north up Route 95. I fill up once more before pulling off the highway and spend another two hours driving through familiar backwoods until I arrive at the abandoned house that used to be my mother's. I open a rotting gate, kicking some old beer bottles to the side, and I cross through the backyard, into the woods where Cal and I began our journey the day he died. I can almost hear the ticking, but I know that the watch has been stopped for years. I carry it with me now in my coat pocket. It's almost too dark to see now, but I remember enough, and everything seems smaller than it did back then. I walk for a mile or so, pushing branches aside and narrowly avoiding stepping in a puddle left behind by a recent rainstorm. I climb over the carcass of the tree, which looks even more menacing than it did when I was a boy. I can see the clearing up ahead, and I can smell meat cooking. I can see smoke. But as I come out of the forest and into the clearing, the smell disappears with the smoke. I can hear something. Tick, tick, tick. I know it is not possible, but I can hear the ticking echoing up from the well. I pull the stopwatch out of my pocket to find that it is, in fact, still stopped. Cal? Tick, tick, tick. I move toward the well, knowing I must be imagining things. But as I get closer, I can hear something else. A scratching sound. I'm startled by a meow and a small creature rubbing against my leg. I look down to find a black cat, not unlike the one I remembered. I kneel down to pat the cat and discover quickly that it is not the same cat. Instead of the menacing green, this cat's eyes were a more coppery color. Tick, tick. A cold breeze causes me to shiver and sends the cat running into the woods. I start toward the well again. The scratching persists and the ticking continues to echo out of the well. Hello? I place my hands on the cold cobblestone and take a breath to calm my nerves. It does not work. I reach into my pocket and pull out the stopwatch again, rubbing my thumb into the silver casing that has dulled over time. I'm sorry, Cal. I extend my hand over the well and pause one last time, shutting my eyes tight and squeezing tears down my face. 
The ticking is unbearable. I release my grip on the watch, and it falls into the darkness below, and I open my eyes, relieved to find that the ticking has stopped. I turn to seat myself on the cobblestone and look around the clearing. The house is as old and decrepit as it has ever been. I find myself wondering, like I had as a boy, who built the house and when. I close my eyes, remembering the dream that has haunted me for so long. Had my therapist been right? Was the monster in my head? Had everyone else been right? Was I the monster? I open my eyes again, half expecting to see that green-eyed creature, but I'm still alone. Whatever it was, my brother is gone. I can't bring him back, and the only gesture I could make to bring myself any semblance of peace is done. But of course, I think, what if that creature had been real? What if it is all true? Then why have I been spared, and where is it now? Tick. Tick. I jolt up, hearing the ticking echoing again from the well. I turn to peer over the edge once more, the cold air coming up from the hole causing me to shiver. Hello? Hello? My voice echoes back up to me. Hello? A raspy voice sounds from behind me. Before I can turn to see who or what the voice has come from, I feel myself being pushed, and I find that I have lost my balance. As I fall into the darkness, the ticking echoing around me like an orchestra of clockwork, I have time to turn to face the opening of the well above me. I see two green eyes staring down at me, and I can just make out the outline of a menacing smile. I hear the crackling of bones as I crash into the ground at the bottom of the well, I try like hell to move every, any limb on my body, but nothing budges. All I can do is stare up into those eyes and let the reality sink in, that I am never going to get out of this well. I can, of course, close my eyes to avoid staring back into that hideous face. Tick, tick. But I can't cover my ears and I can't stop the ticking of the stopwatch next to me. Tick.